What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of Big Digital Energy. Got a special guest with us today. We got my guy, Kirk Coburn, who just came by the office and I was like, dude, you got to get on PDE with me and Chuck. And so if you don't know Kirk, Kirk's an OG in the <laughs> energy tech space, um, lots of knowledge across uh, the energy spectrum. So he's going to join the uh, clown show with me and Chuck today. And, and I'm kind of jealous. The purple hat, <laughs> man. The purple hat's good stuff. It was navy at one point. Oh, nice. Sun damage. Yeah, nice. he uh, he was wearing a collared shirt. He's like, no, I need a t-shirt. So we got him a digital wall catcher's t-shirt. And he said, I'm going to get my surf hat. And I was like, oh, nice. yeah, Sean. Kirk knows what it's about. So okay, I'm gonna jump. News. I'm gonna jump in first on this since I have the two smartest energy people I know in the room with me now. Uh, China comes out last week. Oil demand is down 10% year to year. They're blaming that on the property crisis over there. They're blaming it on COVID lockdowns. Iran comes out in the last couple of days, says, nah, we can get a nuke deal done in a couple of weeks. The fear there is Iranian oil hitting the market. Looks like frack spreads and rigs are up in the Permian. U.S. consumers kind of iffy right now. $50 oil? Well, I also made a tweet this week too because OFS company Yellow Jacket laid off their employees and being an OFS right now, it should be good times, right? You'd think so. And I saw a couple of other uh, OFS companies having trouble too. So I think that one, people are preparing for lower oil prices. I think you need some consolidation in the OFS space regardless. Um, I don't know if we see $50 oil. You know, we talk about it on the show. I think demand's still still up how was it nantucket like you're up in nantucket up in northeast past few months i mean people traveling are people still using using energy uh are you seeing energy demand uh decrease up there i mean energy's up um when you look at at sort of the towns like the nantuckets the islands of the world or the sort of the destination spaces unlike the big cities a lot more people because they can work remotely I saw four or five Rivians, you know, that's a great conversation we need to have about, you know, <laughs> who needs an, an $85,000 electric vehicle. That's a truck. Um, we're going to talk, talk about that later. In didn't the show, see any surfboards sure. on it. So I was a little bit questioning, <laughs> um, but people are spending money up there. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe that's because it's summertime and it's vacation time, but it'll be interesting because I mean, I was down, in, Pen I was down in Pensacola this weekend. It's packed. There's a ton of people there from all over the United States. And so I always like taking this anecdotal evidence of just, you know, conversations with people. And it seems like people are still traveling and I just can't see energy prices coming down while we, demand seems to be holding steady, at least. So what I saw, because I'm two weeks back from being in Europe, we did Berlin, Barcelona, Madrid. Did you go to the nightclubs in Berlin? <laughs> okay, so my eldest daughter. Who's, so my eldest daughter, who's 20 years old, uh, we're all back at the hotel, and I'm like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the nightclub, and I'm like, I'm not yeah, going you to this. <laughs> Young so anyway, she's my music kid, and the techno mecca, I forget what it's called in Berlin, she went and waited in line for six hours and never got in. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But negotiated with the bouncer. Bouncer th thought she was kind of cool. Listened to one of her songs. Introduced her to the GM. So we're leaving Lisbon to come back to the United States. Charlie didn't come with us. Charlie's like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to Berlin. They put me on the guest list. <laughs> but no, my, my point in being there was, you know, Germany is verge of meltdown, right? Nobody was care 
concerned about energy. No Uber driver, taxi driver griping about gasoline price. No shopkeeper talking about that. It, they seem just oblivious to it. And I, there was some Twitter traffic I had this weekend and people were saying, well, one, the German government's kind of subsidizing the problem right now. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it may not be wildly, wildly known. But the other thing that's going on is the Germans are just so austere and they pay their bills and all that, that, that this may just be lost on Germany. And I thought that was going to be ground zero of the, the and they're keeping shit. their three nuclear power plants, which were supposed to be shut down. So yeah. that's why you're seeing a reversal on nuclear policy. You have that, you have California, um, you know, Gavin Newsom's going back and now reactivating, uh, a Diablo Canyon for, I think 10 years or something mm-hmm. like that. He's or, given the legislature, I think till the end of August, 2035, say yes or no to that. He okay. says, here's my proposal. You guys have to say yes or no. Which, I mean, I'm a huge fan of nuclear. So I think that nuclear plays a very big part in the future. So I'm excited to see those things. Weapons or, or power? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny. I uh, I talked on this panel at the Dallas Crew Association a couple of months ago. And I was just kind of talking about how much grift there is in the ESG world. And I was like, it's, it's funny how grift. some missiles and nuclear weapons have been labeled as ESG friendly if they're being used in support of Ukraine. I'm like, it's kind of funny how this shit works big fan of nuclear power not a fan of nuclear weapons um but yeah i've spent a total of one day in germany so i have no idea what german culture is like but i imagine it's like most of the world where energy iq among general society is just at an all-time low so Mm. um which would be nice to be that ignorant right (laughs) just not know what's going on with energy but i mean you don't hear people i mean you kind of hear it people in the united states bitching about gas prices and i think you're starting to see some electricity price gripes now too but outside of that i mean it's not like a main talking talking point well germany over a decade ago i mean they're they're rich in coal but they decided they wanted to go clean and then they've been dependent upon russia and i think they're actually ahead of most of the world about sort of the power woes and what's happening and which so in, in my mind we should follow germany and see kind of where are they going to come to the conclusion? I think this nuclear turnaround could actually be, you know, a pattern that we're going to see around the world. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, you know, you forget that the Germans basically during world war two, cause they were cut off from us crude. I mean, basically the East Texas oil field won world war two for us. My grandfather they, was there. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's awesome. But, but they basically use their coal resources and Fisher Tropes technology to make their gasoline, to power their tanks and all mm. that. And it just, it doesn't make as energy rich gasoline. And so Rommel and his tanks kind of got left in Africa because they didn't run as well. But yeah, there are tons of coal there. Mm. I mean, if they wanted to run off coal for the next gazillion years they could here's my question though you know my doctor said you need to stop drinking as much alcohol because it's not good for you (laughs) but if my if i'm dying the last thing i'm worrying about is quitting alcohol because i want that next cocktail (laughs) so is the sky falling are people so like we're just giving up we're going to spend money because the sky's ending or is it the we're really optimistic about the economy turning around which one is it that's a good question. I like I like how you frame that. I think you and Chuck would probably have an hour long conversation mm, about quitting alcohol. Cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> Booze. No, like <laughs> it's Kirk Reach's back for the show. Yeah. Brought to you by. 
<laughs> let's oh, plug, plug in our uh, our alcohol sponsor here um you know i think that it comes down to i think we get stuck in our bubble of working in energy and understanding energy where like how many how many conversations like this take place around the world where we're sitting around talking about energy? Not a ton. So mm -hmm. I think it comes down to more ignorance than anything. Like, I don't think people are optimistic. I don't necessarily think they even know that they're, I don't think people know that they're in trouble, that they're uh, I've always said the greatest thing the environmentalists did for their cause was not scare us about global warming and all that. The greatest thing they did is they convinced us that renewables could power the world at our current standard right now and just big bad oil companies won't allow it. I mean mm. that, cause that, that, that narrative has taken hold. You yeah. Know? And that's actually an interesting nexus, like especially with, uh, uh, with Kirk here, because if I remember right, your dad was in oil and gas. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was where you got your initial energy exposure and then you've done a ton in the energy tech space. A lot of that being, you know, climate tech, clean tech, whatever you want to, whatever you want to deem it as. But, um, there does seem to be like a lot of tinfoil hat wearing um, when it comes to big bad oil companies wanting to suppress renewables or clean energy. Like what's your take on that? Do you think that's a big factor um, or do you think that that's kind of overplayed a bit? Well, I had to, you know, when I, when I started search, I didn't really know, but, but when I joined shell and then, you know, if you look at the oil and gas and mining companies, they've been around for a hundred over a hundred years, even more. So their expertise is generating power or creating, getting the materials necessary to power the world. Um, and what I've learned by anecdotally meeting with hundreds of people inside of these big companies is that they want the same thing as everyone else and they have the expertise to do it. And I think one of the things that became the aha moment for me was the energy problem is really hard and it's not as, it's not a sound bite. You can't fix it with a sound bite. And I think people, especially when you think about politics, they want to make something a one sentence answer and it makes it easy. Mm -hmm. Oil and gas, bad renewables, good period end of story, but it doesn't work that way. And I think those in industry understand how hard it is. And so it's not as an easy answer. Yes. Renewables in certain circumstances when the wind blows and the sun shines, but not always. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that you have to get in deep to really understand it. As you guys have said, digital wildcatters, you guys have been exposing how hard it is and you know what people do to bring energy to the world. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, uh, someone on here, they said, I think if you ask the majority of Americans or Europeans whether they want cheap energy or clean energy, 95% would choose cheap. P.S. Kirk is one of my favorite guys in energy tech. So that was from Alistair Graham. So Whoa. you guys are... Juicing, juicing up curry's like <laughs> Kurt may be coming on the show every week now if he gets compliments I'm being like replaced. that also gw <laughs> goldman says no loves, loves the purple hat so <laughs> <laughs> so curry's, GW, curry's getting some... that you don't understand the exact compliment you just get yeah, the GW. man is a fashion icon yeah so <laughs> that was wow. big time it, it, it means something to get a compliment on the hat um yeah hey, so... let's do this so we have the inflation reduction act in there is $7,500 credit, tax credit for an electric vehicles. Lo and behold, Ford raises the price of the F-150 Lightning by $8,500. Yeah. Coincidence? I'm disappointed to see that. Um, one, huge fan of the F-150 Lightning. I haven't got to drive one yet, but 
I'm trying to work a forward to where we give away one at Fuse. Yes. Uh, and so I love the F-150 Lightning. I love Ford. Um, so a little disappointing to see that because I feel like it's very much kind of falls in line of being a grift. Um, <laughs> okay, all of a sudden we have a subsidy and a tax credit, and now we're going to match that with a price increase, um, which, you know, I, I've could get on my soapbox about subsidies driving that kind of behavior. But, um, I mean, look, I, like my jaw literally dropped. I, I don't know if you guys watched the intro when they announced the F one fifty lightning, you know, had this big event for it. And when they said that what the base price was, I was like, Holy shit, because it's like, that's actually an affordable truck. Mm. You just brought up, you saw five Rivians in, yeah. in Nantucket. Well, that's Nantucket. Yeah. That's where rich people are. I mean, base price of a Rivian's, I think like 85 G's and, you know, goes up to, I saw one on uh, a used one uh, with a hundred miles on it the other day. Someone was trying to sell it for 140. Um, so these aren't your, you know, working man's trucks. No doubt. Um, so back when I was rich, I had a Tesla. Now I drive a Honda. This is what's funny about Chuck. Chuck had two cars. He had a Hummer H2 and he had a Tesla X. He's like, yeah, it depends on which LP I'm talking to, yeah, which I go right. to meet him for in lunch. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of EVs. I don't think that EVs save the world. I think they're just a better product. And so that's why I'm bullish on EVs. And I don't think, I think that a lot of people are... <clears throat> little over optimistic on how quick adoption of EVs will be. But man, if you can't produce a vehicle that's under 60 grand, it's going to be hard to get adoption. My other bitch, while I'm on this soapbox, my other bitch about Preachers. electric vehicles, because I was just in the market for a new car and I was looking at EVs. They make all the EVs look like soccer mom, like grocery getters and like have these weird designs. I'm like, why can't y'all just make normal cars that have an electric drivetrain? <laughs> and so, um, not happy with the design of most EVs, not happy with the prices. You know, Tesla makes the most sense in my mind um, if I was going to buy one. But yeah, I, I think the uh, the tax credit, it just kind of drives some of that behavior. Well, I love to hear your audience on, on the form factor. Do they agree with you? Look, I know a ton of people in oil and gas that drive Teslas. And most people like EVs that, that have them. And they also understand... Where does the majority of electricity come that power that Tesla? Like, nat gas demand is going to go up. I mean, right now we're a country that runs off the majority I, of coal and nat gas. So I haven't done the math, but after a bottle of wine one night, I kind of thought about it. I still think the amount of oil needed to make the parts to an EV plus all the diesel you need to actually mine the metals for the EV and all might just be a push, you know? Okay, we're not having an an extra internal combustion engine out there running on gasoline, but if you factor in all it took to build that EV, it may be a push in terms of demand. Well, Kirk and I were literally just talking about this before we got on the show, just talking about material science and mining, and I mean, that's a huge task in itself. I mean... Just you don't raw... have a wall socket in the middle of a Congo. That you just plug <laughs> yeah. into. There's not. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, like, you know, the nickel, the, the lithium, ion, the lithium, it's where is it? Is there, is there enough? There's not enough. Yeah. Um, Soon we're going to be talking about peak cobalt and peak lithium, which the good thing is, is that space is abundant in metals. So maybe I'm, I'm very, but we need to be thinking about new materials. Look, dog. After digital wildcatters, my next venture is we're figuring out how to mine uh, asteroids. So 
Uh, I, I need a little bit more. Slumber, I, need a little I get bit more to send you to space. Slumberjay has <laughs> been working on that actually. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. It's a real deal. Yeah. Um, I'm sure others have too. not to plug them, but, yeah. but who I should plug is you guys need an alcohol sponsor, but you need to approve <laughs> it and drink it so we can talk about it and we can get our audience to do taste tests, but sidebar, <laughs> but on EVs. Yeah. I saw a few Rivian, a lot of Rivians. I don't know why, but what's interesting is you're right. It is a push. Because the challenge is there's the grid can't handle people plugging more cars into it. Yeah. And we look at Texas alone, Texas breaking, like we're breaking our grid is broken. Yeah. Of course I plug my EV into the wall and I love it because I love how fast it is and how it's a better product. That's what I'm saying. It's a better product. I love it. Yeah. But is it environmentally better? I know that people let's all argue, but Mm -hmm. the reality is it has huge challenges and there's not enough infrastructure I have huge anxiety. I have, I have battery anxiety now because my car will only go certain so far, and then I have to stop, figure out where to go charge, and hopefully it's a fast charger. That's one yeah. thing that I think is funny with some of my conversations on people on Twitter is that say range anxiety is not a real thing. I'm like, dog, I get range anxiety huge. in my internal combustion engines. You're not from Texas. You don't drive. <laughs> you know, you don't <laughs> drive out to West Texas or Austin. Like, I mean, even uh, going, we drove to Pensacola last weekend and. I'm like, man, you know, I'm you didn't need gas on Louisiana during the, 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 the bridge, the, the long bridge. Wall. I had a quarter screwed. tank. I had a quarter tank and my wife's sleeping. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm hoping I don't run out of gas on this bridge because I'm fucked if that happens. So, and the cops will totally, if you're, if you're going 56 miles an hour, they'll gun you too. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can't float into, you know, it. my thing is if I buy an EV, <laughs> that's mine to drive to the office, you know, my everyday commute, but I still want, an internal combustion engine for my for my road trips and i know I, we got some comments here because you asked like you know form factors and digital wildcatters agree with that sidetrack says that he's he agrees nate zimmerman says uh i'm sticking to my 2004 runner till it dies look that car will probably run until you die um not until it dies so that's fair and then Mario, my boy Mario, uh, says that you know he's a he's a geologist by by trade, and just says that there's not enough lithium, and it sounds like he's pull, pretty bullish so, on space mining. So two things, just the numbers real quick, so we can frame it up and have something realistic about it. Is we sell about seven million cars a year in America. That was pre-pandemic. Uh, Six million of them are forty grand and less. Yeah. So the price point, ha- if you want to mm-hmm. make any sort of dent, the price point's got to be below 40. Um, let's assume that, and there are about 300 million cars in America right now. Let's assume EVs get 50% of the market for the next 10 years. In 10 years, that means there'll be 30 million more, you know, elect- or 35 million more mm-hmm. electric vehicles out there. You know how many of the 300 million internal combustion engine cars we have today will still be on the road then? Damn near all of them. Yeah. I mean, we build really great cars today. They never, when's the last time you said, man, I got rid of the car because my engine didn't run? It's always, you know, oh, I wanted a nicer car or my interior sucked. Dude, I bought a Toyota it's, Camry a few months ago and Don McGill Toyota in Houston has lifetime guarantee on powertrain and drivetrain. Wow. So I'm like, if I, blow this engine 15 years from now you guys will replace it and they're like yep and i'm yeah. like this car as long as i own it will never be off off the road and i think classic car 
um, trend is is coming because I have a, a 1984 beach vehicle that I love, but I saw a guy in a Fleetwood, a caddy, and I was so jealous. A little jealous. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like sort of like the pea green. I was like, that is the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. Where do I get one? That's actually like one of the biggest implications that I don't think is talked about enough in the transition from ICE to EVs is what happens to classical cars because there is a demand for them currently and i agree i think that demand will continue to grow and so how do those you know that market's not going to go away and I, I find that to be pretty interesting gw had a comment that i don't know if you saw this but i just posted it he said digital wildcat or short man goes to space <laughs> fuck you gw <laughs> very average height okay so five ten <laughs> not short the uh and to be honest armageddon like that's me i'm the rough yeah. piece into space so Fair, fair enough. Let's it. close EVs <laughs> with this. So when I was driving my Tesla, I had one of these days I was driving around a whole bunch. I went home for some reason. I forget to plug in my my car. I get in the next morning. I live down in Richmond. I was working in downtown Houston. So that's 25 miles. I had 72 miles on my car and I was like, oh, shit. And I had all this yeah. stuff and I'm driving in and I'm doing all the stuff in my head. Where's the charging station? I have a meeting. Can't do all that. So I just drove in, went to my assistant, Stacy, and I said, hey, Stacy, I'm sorry to do this. You're going to have to drive north of town to the charger, plug in my car for an hour and a half and bring it back. And I handed her my key and she looked at me and she goes, today, you've officially become a prick. <laughs> <laughs> do you know Stacy's mom? She's got it going on. Yeah, just, <laughs> There's a story there, but I'm not going to say it. On the end. But here's yeah. my question. I saw it, I saw Chuck's reaction. I was like, he's holding back on saying. If something. Armageddon really does happen, if the sky really is falling, the question is, which cars do you want? Do you want EV when there's maybe the grids down, or do you want do you want ICE? Dude, I look, mean, I'm thinking Mad best, Max here. Look, the best marketing campaign I'm of Mad all Max no, in my mind trying to figure the it out. best marketing campaign of all time is Toyota. Every time some terrorist cell in the Middle East gets some news coverage <laughs> and they're in this 1980s, 1990s Toyota pickup that, you know, they have no access to parts and that motherfucker is just still running. And so I think the Middle East already answers that question. Like you're going with the Toyota. Cuba, Cuba answers that. Supposedly we go down there and it's all 1950s cars. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's another cool classic car. Yeah. 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 So I think, um, you know, I like EVs. I think we have a long ways to go. Um, and I think there's a lot of bias in the conversations because the people I talk to up in Boston and New York and those types of places, like you haven't lived in a place like Texas where range anxiety is it is a real deal. And my thing is, too, is you can't change consumer behavior. Look, I got to the office this morning. My phone is already dead because I forgot to charge it last night. Most people, they run their batteries on their phones down to zero. They run their cars on fuel to empty until they recharge them. And so everyone thinks that, um, you know, charging infrastructure isn't as big of an issue. Everyone's going to charge at home. I'm like, well, that's making an assumption that everyone has a single family home. A lot of people live in apartments. And so there's just a lot of. Especially in the big to... cities, they, there's no infrastructure to plug in. But if you think about it, I was, you know, at a conference a couple of years ago. And it's like, look, unlike 20 years ago, we all have a, a mobile phone. We have an iPad. We have a computer. We have EV. I mean, we, we're just asking for more. We need more energy. Yeah. We have more devices to plug in versus, you know, give me your, the note. Well, as we see here, we got a little note handwriting going on here. 
I'm, yeah, I'm kids old, today. I'm old school, folks. Kids today aren't even taught how to write. Yeah. No, they? Chuck came in, and his <laughs> number one complaint with digital wildcatters is that we didn't have a printer, and so we had to buy a printer just so to get this story. I walk in <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey guys, where's our printer? I got to print out my quarterly taxes and send it in." Bless and, you, digital wildcatters. And they go, "We don't have a printer." And I go, "Well, how do you?" print out your quarterly taxes to mail them in and colin goes i just don't pay them <laughs> that's <laughs> right it's right. optional right. taxes are optional hey yeah. thanks for saying that on public airwaves dick uh, <laughs> I, would, I would get the 25 percent bounty from the irs <laughs> yeah. oh I'm i did think about applying to the irs because you could you're able to uh carry handguns now you know arms did you see that <laughs> yeah was yeah. that that that's real tax or irs agents with handguns and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I text Jake. And I'm like, dog, they're coming after us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we got a lot of comments here uh, before we wrap up the show. Um, let me give a shout out to some of these people here. So Dave says, I think the tax breaks are a joke uh, due to the fact that EV owners are not paying the road tax to cover repairs or roads, or at least that's happening in Colorado. It's actually a really interesting point, too. That's a good uh, point. Yeah, you know, one thing that... I get concerned about with electric vehicles is one um, driving is the most dangerous activity that any of us do every day. I mean, you go down I 10, mm -hmm. you see five, five wrecks. And so hopefully autonomous driving uh, really makes some progress uh, because I do trust computers more than I do humans when it comes to driving cars. Scary. But the thing is average weight of an EV is heavier than ice uh, vehicles. And so those wrecks can consequence consequently be, more serious too, just because you have more mass involved. And so, um, and then just wait on the road, go down to Louisiana. I mean, if you've ever driven in South Louisiana, the roads are terrible and it's because of all the heavy oil field traffic. And have so, you tried the autonomous driving feature? Um, so scary. Well, before, AF. well, before COVID. So here's the thing before COVID I was in Vegas and, uh, I get on Lyft and it's like, do you want to try an autonomous vehicle? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. And so this, this uh, vehicle comes and picks me up and they've got a driver in the driver's seat. They've also got one in the passenger seat and they're sitting there monitoring it. And um, anyways, you know, in Vegas, what they're doing is this, they've essentially built a mesh network. And so on every stoplight, they've got a sensor. And so the car is continuously communicating with all the, with all this traffic and really great experience. I did it several times. I thought it was badass. There was one questionable one where the driver had to hit the brakes. He's like, Oh, it would have got that. And I'm like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it, it would have, but I think when it comes to like highway driving, I mean, that's pretty easy. It's like all the parking lots and, you know, neighborhood streets mm. where you got to make a lot of progress. But here's my so, thing. Here's, here's my thing to go on a little rain. You look at a distribution curve, half of the population is below average intelligence. And we just give them a 3000, 4,000 pound killing machine <laughs> to drive around. Let's, I mean, I'm from West Texas where you see head on collisions on oil fill roads all the time lost friends uh to car wrecks and mm -hmm. scares the shit out of me and so um the technology of the sensors today are supposedly equal to a drunk sophomore in college driving and before we laugh too much at all that i mean actually a drunk sophomore is not the worst driver on the planet i mean it's not a good driver and you shouldn't drive drunk but at the end of the day you know 21 year olds actually decently handle their alcohol to some degree. And that's, that's where they've equated it to. 
I've seen some stats on that recently. Yeah, Rob King dropped in here, and he said, you should read my older RBN blog about how the grid in Texas and Cali don't have the extra capacity to support the extra load. Need a lot more generation to get to an EV number that's being pushed by the government. Here's one thing, too, that I was talking to John, John Calfan on our team the other day was, you know, you look at EIA estimates, energy demand increases until 2050. But here's the thing is that energy demand has a potential to increase infinitely over time. I mean, there's things that we're not accounting for. Like, you guys know I'm huge on Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. Are those taken into consideration in our energy consumption? And I'm pro-energy. I'm pro-consumption. I think that it is positive for society. And as we start traveling to space and doing all this crazy shit, we're just going to need a lot of energy and it has to come from all sources. And I just don't think like you look at Texas, like you brought up earlier, like I don't remember growing up as a kid having to worry about blackouts in Texas and in the grid. I mean, just wasn't a thing. Now it's like every, every other week we're getting notices. And my, my thought on that is that the acceleration of especially wind, um, generation in texas is being built out too aggressively without enough attention on backup uh power sources especially nat gas peakers and coal and nuclear and so you have to really pay attention to rate of change as well and make sure that we're transitioning to other energy sources responsibly or else there's gonna have to potentially be a thought process on just the grid and today because campbell faulkner came on the podcast what like six weeks ago and we talked about it is we pay for energy only on the grid in Texas, you supply electricity, you get paid for it. If that's the case, with all the tax credits that go towards renewables for building, we're going to have that disconnect. And so there's probably going to have to be added, okay, a reliability charge of some sort. If you can't be dispatched, you have to pay X to pay for the diesel gen sets mm-hmm. or the natural gas peaking or whatever. That, yeah. that that's going to be our solution in texas because you're right we- i just like i look at my house it's like got a bitcoin mine in the backyard if i got an ev i need another 220 plug for that i just built my kid a badass gaming pc like i'm pulling down some fucking power <laughs> <laughs> at my house but i mean that's a house of the future right and so you think that energy demand is just going to keep increasing as houses use more electronics and- well think about energy poverty i mean one of the things we were investing in back in the shell days were you know the part of the world that didn't have reliable or very much energy at all. Yeah. How do they get energy? There's no infrastructure. I mean, I think the, the world we, we require, we want cheap energy. We want reliable, abundant. We also want it clean. And, and in some ways, you know, I've always added the fifth one, which is local mm-hmm. in many ways, because energy doesn't travel very yeah. well. Yeah. Those are big challenges. But you know, when I was in China um, in 2019, when I got sick, COVID, um, <laughs> you know, you look at sort of Texas and we're talking about like in a, in a capitalist environment, people are going to make decisions based on their own best interest. And that's why you have not great planning per se. Mm-hmm. In China, you, maybe you've got really good planning, but then you don't have as many choices. And I think that's going to be an ongoing debate that we all have about what's best. And I think in today's environment, if we look at Texas, for example, it's there's some great things about the Texas grid and how they tried to, um, uh, you know, um, deregulate it. And then there's some things that people laugh at, like, look at, look at the challenges and the mistakes they made. So yeah, I'm not saying I have a, 
a position on that. I do uh, after a few cocktails, but that's the thing. <laughs> Come on, we... liquor sponsor. <laughs> we need we one. Need this. I'll, I'll, I'll get one. I'll, I'll work <laughs> on that. But so, that's an interesting debate. Yeah. When you think about other countries that live in energy poverty, you know, I was just down in Costa Rica a few months ago and I was sitting on the street and just watching the amount of bicycles that have you know these two cycle uh gas motors attached to them and it's just i mean tons of them and people are just using these gas powered bicycles and i don't know if there's anything worse for emissions than these little two stroke the worst yeah gas engines and so i'm actually like really bullish on like electric bikes can mm -hmm. really make an impact there but you go down to a place like costa rica i'm like they don't give a shit like they're gonna like they're doing what what they can afford and what makes sense for them, and so there's just so many power's not reliable. So power's not reliable, like if yeah. they charge their bike and it, it doesn't charge overnight, and they have to go to work, where yeah. You do? And I mean, yeah, and all the people using these bikes, I mean, they're delivery drivers, and you know, they're going to work, and now all of a sudden they can't charge their bike and they can't go make a living, and huge cascading second order effects from that. So, um gotta look really it's good and, to, and ultimately I, mean, I hate to get hokey and all this but that really is the let's moral calling of the united states is to the extent we can deliver reliable cheap your five uh characteristics of power to the rest of the world that brings the standard of living up and actually i think the only thing that's going to cause China and India to get off their coal kick is bringing up their standard of living so that they don't want smog out in the air and all that. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it, and to your point earlier, cause I think this was a great one. Energy deserves a thoughtful discussion about that. Not a bunch of bullshit rhetoric, mm. Ooh, fuck oil and gas or whatever. Or I mean, it really is too important. It goes, goes both ways. So anyways, Right All at the right. 30 minute mark. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, we got yeah. finger of the week. Finger of the week. <laughs> This is almost sacrilege. I hate to do this, but the finger of the week goes to Sir Paul McCartney and wow. John Lennon. Stick with me on this. So do we know what today is the anniversary of? I don't. It is the 60th anniversary of Pete Best being fired as the Beatles drummer. Wow. So first off, first lesson, if you think you've kind of had a bad day or things haven't gone your way or whatever, Screw that. Be grateful because that dude had a fucking shitty day, right? So that's a bad day, right? So that's number one. The second thing, and why I'm giving, and I love Paul McCartney, I love the Beatles, love John Lennon, but the reason I'm giving it to him is two reasons. One, they had Brian Epstein, their manager, go fire Pete Best. So they didn't even go talk to him. They just sent him in, canned him. That's number one. Number two, August 15th, it, it didn't happen yesterday, but every previous year, Ringo Starr always tweets out, today is the anniversary of the greatest day of my life. John and Paul asked me to join the Beatles. So they asked Ringo first, and then they fired Pete Best. Damn. There's, uh, it sounds like there's some animosity from Chuck getting fired from Kane. Too, and <laughs> from Kanye. <laughs> from Kanye. The, yeah. I, will say that, I will say this. 
the five songs that uh, Pete Best played on were actually released in 1995 on the anthology uh, compilation by the Beatles. No doubt that it was the right decision to fire Pete Best. He's a crappy drummer, and Ringo's, what, number eight, according to Rolling Stone? So anyway, <laughs> that said, in defense of fired people, we're going to give the finger of the week to Paul and John. All right. Um, I have I have no take there. All of those guys are before my time, so I have no take there. Real quick, Deanna Zhang, appreciate you checking in. Love Deanna. Uh, she's amazing. She's, she's amazing. Awesome. Uh, it's a really interesting topic. I'm trying to look into how IRA affects EV adoption. Thanks, guys. And then Dave <laughs> Richardson said, uh, what about nuclear or even fusion energy? I had a story that I want to talk about this week that we didn't get to, but uh, go Google it. Dow is working with X Energy to uh, develop gas cooled nuclear reactors to power some of their facilities. I think that's really dope. So go Google it, Google it, check it out. Maybe we'll get to talk about it next week. Appreciate y'all tuning in. We'll be back next week, 1030 a.m. Central Time, where you do, always find us. Do everything podcast asks you to do. Subscribe. Give us good feedback, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Five star ratings on Spotify and uh and ask and me Apple. back. Dude, and I think uh this, Audience, this, this needs to be a thing. Y'all dude, you're getting us a liquor sponsor. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta we're, bring that. Dang. We're gonna like carry you in on a chariot. To, to <laughs> All right, I'll be dialing for that. Perfect. Dialing All right, off. guys. We'll catch you next week.